there's some nights where you just don't want to get out of bed, you know? Amen? And uh, I'm not here because I feel super awesome. Uh, but I'm here because God's here. And God asked me to be here. And I believe he's drawn you to be here, including all of you that are all over the country signing in and watching this. Um, I just believe that we need an encounter with him. And the last six days of my life, I have encountered Jesus in ways I never thought possible. And so um, I just think tonight the Lord has a lot of nuggets and messages that he wants to say, but I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know how organized it's going to be necessarily. Um, I'm not going to teach tonight, even though somehow all my sharing usually ends up teaching somebody something. So um, take it for what it's worth and take notes as you're led. But tonight, um, I'm just going to share a story. And it's, it's one that is very real and raw. It's about six days old. So it's not, um, it's not really any scabs yet on that wound. But it's all the more important when you're in the midst of something to share that something than it is when you're on the other side. That's the easy part. You can share it when you're on the other side of it, and I know he'll call me to do that too. Uh, but, it, but it could have been really easy for me to um, dope up on some oxycodone and drink some more chicken soup, which is what I've had the last week of my life. I don't want to ever have it again. Thank y'all so much for bringing all the stuff that you brought, but no more chicken soup for a long time. Um, but it would have been easy to stay. And I knew, I knew in my heart that it wasn't an option. And I'm, I'm privileged that God would call me into such a deep walk with him and that he would mature my faith in such a way that coming here tonight is better than laying in bed. So with that said, um, I'm just going to pray into spirit to do what only he can. And I'm, I've got scriptures, and I've got things I'm going to share, but really tonight there's a lot of worship that he is due. And he has carried me in a way that I can't explain through the worship that you're going to hear tonight. And some of that worship is, is music, and for those of you that are online, I'll give you the name of the song. You're welcome to look it up on YouTube. And here in the loft, Allie's going to play the songs live for us. But some of that is also his word and encouragement through certain key people that I believe he's wanting me to share tonight with you and the way that they carried me. Um, but regardless, I don't want to leave you with the details of my story. The story is the framework. But the center of the window and what I want you to see tonight and look through tonight is Jesus Christ and the power of a miraculous God that can carry you through some of the darkest times. And you don't have to have walked what I've walked. Some of you in this room have. Some of you already know what I'm talking about. Um, but wherever we are, we are all walking through something. And he has a word for that. And he wants to invite you, I believe, into fervent worship in the midst of whatever your that is. Just fill in the blank. I know very clearly what my that is. And so for me tonight, that's the framework I'm going to be referencing, what I'm going to be coming from. But again, your pain and your story, whether it's a joyous season or not, is just as important. All suffering doesn't have to look the same, but the principles of God, of God are the same, and they never change. They're constant. And so I'm going to stagger those in as much as I can and just tell you what he's told me. 
if that's okay, and how he's comforted me, and frankly, share with you not just what he shared with me over six days, but I believe what he shared with me over 33 years of my life. And this is no different. This is just a privilege, a hard one, one I would wish on not even my enemy, but it is a privilege to bear this type of cross with the Lord and to be drawn deeper in a way of meeting him. So I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit um, in the person of Jesus to come here, and I would invite you to do the same thing. So God, we just, um, we just thank you right now for things we don't understand. God, I thank you that pain and joy go together. Father, I thank you that though weeping can last for nights, joy does come in the morning. And so I pray, Lord, right now in only a way you can, you know I'm frail, you know I'm tired, you know I'm a bit limited. But I pray in only a way you can that you would come in power, Spirit of God, and illuminate truth in your word. I pray that you would bring fresh encouragement. I pray that you would bring wings and air into people's sails tonight that are just totally deflated. I pray that you would speak meaning into someone's morning as you have done mine. I'm here, Lord, obedient before you. You know that. And so I'm honored that you would meet here with us because I know you're here. I know you're on the phones. I know you're on the internet. I know you're in this lost space in Dunwoody, Georgia. And we need to encounter you more than we need to hear Sarah's story. We need to encounter you. And so I pray, God, that you would make me invisible, that you would let the details of the story fall away, and that you would take your rightful place as front and center, worthy to be praised. No matter where we are in our life, no matter where we're coming from, where we're going, you are who you say you are. And I pray that you would give us a very clear view of who you are, that we might worship you as good and kind and in control, despite what circumstances may say. So with that said, Father, I just ask that you would use me and remove me, really, and do what seems good to you. In Jesus Christ's powerful name for his glory, I pray. Amen. One of the things that I know to be true is that seeing is not believing. And the world tries to tell you it is, but believing is seeing. And over the last course of six days, as clear as day, I felt the Lord in my heart say, Sarah, the, the greater you can believe me for who I am, the clearer you will see your circumstances for what they are. There are tools in my hand to draw you deeper into me. Every single one of them. The mountaintops, the hospital rooms, the stuff you never would have planned for, the stuff you would hope for, every single circumstance, and the one I'm talking about tonight is a, is a brave one, but every single one is just that. It's an instrument, it's a tool in the hand of the Father to give us a deeper encounter with the Son. So the greater we believe God to be who he is, the clearer we will see the circumstances for what they are. So flip that around. If you're unclear on who God is, then all you will see are your circumstances, and they will at some point take you under. You will get over your head at certain points in life. 
and I found myself deeply, yet beautifully, over my head on Wednesday, July 22nd, drowning. Never in a place I thought I'd be. And yet, somehow, by the grace of God and the intimate, dependent walk I've had with him, I really wouldn't have chosen to be anywhere else. The nearness of him, the reality of him, the truth of him, the way he brings back reminders of his word, his nearness, his presence, that happens in such a way we need it. And I've been very clear on my belief of God for a long time. And so that's given me somehow a, a perspective, I guess, on my circumstances that enables me to bring myself through them with his strength. Um, so I'm not going to get into many of the gruesome details. There are many um, but I do want to share with you what he shared with me. And I believe that Revelation 12:11 is true. And it says, basically, in my own paraphrase, that there is power in overcoming the darkness in the evil one's schemes when we share from the volumes of our story. Okay, so I'm sharing from the volume of my story right now, not from a talk I've memorized or even these notes. The only reason why I wrote these out is because God was flooding me with everything he's been saying to me, honestly, since July 10th. And I want tears at bay, and so this is the greatest way for me to try to contain myself. But these are not notes. This is not some memorized thing. It never really is at Establisher. It's always just an outflow. But tonight's a little different. And so um, he spoke very clearly to me, and I believe that the messages he spoke to me using the framework that I was in, because it's the word of God and the truth of Jesus, actually is going to reach you. And I would be here for no other reason. So that is my heart. And um, we're in the book of Hebrews. I'm not going to teach through exegetically like I normally do in the book of Hebrews. We'll pick up with that next time. But I do want to read something. I actually read Hebrews 2, and I am going to read something out of Hebrews 3 that's very important to set the stage uh, for where God's going to take this tonight. But Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6 says, But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. So he's faithful over us. If, it's conditional word there, if we hold fast our confidence and boast of our hope firm until the end. Same chapter, chapter 3, verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ. If, there it is again, we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. That's so powerful. Um, let me just state the elephant in the room. The greatest way to partake of Christ is to suffer with him. It is the greatest way. It is taking up your cross and following hard, fervently after a person and not a religion or an ideal or a faith or a bumper sticker. And the greatest way to do that, to partake of him and who he is, is to enter into the suffering he allows. Use whatever word you want to use. He causes it, he doesn't, he allows it, I don't know. But all I know is he is sovereignly on the throne and everything that comes to me has first come to him. Everything that has come our way, everything that's in your story has first been sifted through what? The hands that hold the whole world together. 
the one whose Colossians says, in him and to him and through him and for him, all things hold together. Those very hands have held me together physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally in the last six days like never before. So it is true. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Spirit of God's moving over here. Um, it's okay. iPhone 6, I hate it anyway, to be honest. Um, so I'm, I'm okay. Um, if we can't get it, we can't get it. It's no big deal. Ashley might just want to turn it off and y'all can, y'all can hear the recording. Is this recording? Okay, we'll just cut that out. We'll just have a recording. Um, but this, this is true, that we can be partakers of Christ in suffering with him and in holding fast the confidence that you have in him until the end. Y'all, a lot of people don't make it to the end. In terms of the end gets to them and it ends their faith. And joy doesn't do that. The mountaintops don't do that. It's when the bottom of life falls out that all of a sudden you go, okay, is what I have given my life to believe even true? Like, is all this really real right now? And that's what matters most is in that suffering, in that partaking of Christ, have you held fast to confidence that everything you have believed about him is true? Maybe his hand is not as understood as you would have wanted, but his character is the same as he's always promised. And so he began reminding me of who he is over and over again, boosting my confidence. And for those of you that come to Establisher, y'all know in January of this year, what was the word God gave me? Confidence. Extremely not ironic, all that I have dealt with between, between January and July. All of it has been confidence building. And to build your confidence, you have to be in very uncomfortable lack of confidence type circumstances. How else would you build it? And so God began to say some things to me, uh, a lot of things. The first three things he said to me are what he's been saying to me from the very beginning of my journey with him, to be honest, that came full circle this week. He frames every beginning with an ending in mind. Isaiah 46.10 says, The Ancient of Days, the Holy One of Israel, is the only one who knows the end from the beginning. So he knows my end. He knew the day I found out I was pregnant in May. He knew the end of when that pregnancy would end. The day that I had a beginning of pregnancy. Because you see, everything in our life, every personal beginning... And every personal ending is framed with God's ultimate ending in mind. Do you all understand that? So from the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1, what are the first three beginnings? God. And it talks about how he created the earth and how he created man and Eve and good and dark and light and all this stuff. But here's the kicker. He had you and me and Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and the suffering and the Garden of Gethsemane and the disciples and the church and 2015 in Atlanta, Georgia in his mind in the beginning. He has the end in his mind from the beginning. And it washed over me over and over again that Lord, 
with every beginning I enter into and every ending I see. You have framed it ultimately with your ending in mind. And that gives me comfort. That gives me joy. Uh, he said, do not question my sovereignty, but lean into it. Do not question my sovereignty, Sarah. Lean into it. That has given me incredible comfort, incredible freedom. I do not find joy. I do not find answers even, to be honest with you, when I question his sovereignty. I don't really get anywhere. I don't know if you do. But I get a whole lot of somewhere forward when I lean into his sovereignty. Which brings me to my third one. You do not have to understand me to praise me. It was as if God was in my room. He was in the hospital. He was over the toilet. He was everywhere with me in the last few weeks of my life saying, Sarah Ann, you do not have to understand me to praise me. Do not question who I am. Lean into who I am. Praise me. Thank me for what you don't understand. Thank me for what you never would have chosen. Y'all, this is where faith begins to put on muscle. This is where intimacy with Jesus, passion for Jesus, which I've been known for my whole life, to be honest, it's where that's born. It is not born on a pew. And I love the church, and I love establisher, and I love these times, but let me tell you, passion's not born there. It's born in this partaking with Christ, this intimate, oh, I would not have chosen this. I would not have picked this. What are you doing type of moment, and then to catch your thoughts, to stop that and say, Lord, I do not have to understand you to praise you. So I'm going to praise you for who you are, for who you've been, for who you're, who you're going to be, who you will be, because you're true, you're real, you're kind, you're good, you're on the throne, you're in control, and my body's out of control. It becomes, it just becomes like food. You just start feeding yourself those thoughts, those truths, those realities, and it changes everything. Um, the longer you journey with the Lord, the more you will have these moments with him. And again, I count them a privilege. The longer you journey with him, the more you will hear him speak to you, the more you'll see him act on your behalf, the more you'll feel his touch, you'll, you'll feel his hand, you'll feel his stamina, you'll feel him sustain you, you'll know his voice, You'll learn more about his ways, won't always understand them, but you will have greater clarity of some of them. But it takes journeying with God like you would a friend, right? Some of the greatest friendships, right, are forged when you journey together, when you cry together, when you laugh, when you fall down, you stand up, oh, I can't believe we went through that together. Those are the kind of things that forges you with that person. Why would it be any different with God? He has designed it that way. I don't understand it again, but I thank him for it. And I was just wrapped up in community, as is my husband this week, really these last few weeks and even into this week, just wrapped together with community that have forged life with us. And as grateful as I am for them, you know what I saw that as. This is you. This is your hands and your feet. You're coming down from heaven to earth just to comfort your little girl. 
you're not far away, you're not distant. I feel super alone, I feel super scared. But I'm gonna catch my breath because you're here. You are near me and you're not going anywhere. Um, there isn't a shortcut to that type of relationship with Jesus. And I honestly would want that for every single one of you. I don't know what your specific nuances are that he will reach you through. But I know he will. And I know he'll speak to you. And I know he'll call you. He'll comfort you. And believe me, you want him to. So, I'm just going to share with you some of the specific ways he did that for me. And I think sometimes it's, it's a lot that we can learn from one another when we hear the facets of that person's walk with the Lord. We can learn a lot from that. And so um, I've had the privilege of walking a lot of life with women and, and helping them in their moment of crisis and, and mourn with meaning and cry absolutely and grieve, but grieve with purpose. I've, I've had the privilege of doing that a lot. Who comforts the comforter? And again, he brought me to Isaiah, Sarah. I am the almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, and the wonderful counselor who will comfort you with my eye upon you. That's the only way you'd even be able to comfort other people, is you have tasted of my comfort. Second Corinthians chapter 1. You've tasted of God's comfort, and when you've tasted that comfort, you can then give it to someone. Again, that's a purpose for why I'm here tonight. This is not a choice. I would have rather been in my bed if I could have made a choice, just to be honest with you. But there's a comfort God gave me that I owe you, that I'm privileged to give you. For something down the road, maybe for something currently, and it's entirely different probably in the actual framework and the details of the story, but the principles are the same. Um, so I want to first start with 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. Um, a powerful verse that has been in my life. Just amazing how they come back to you in moments where you just kind of never realized it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, For the love of Christ compels me, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. I don't have the privilege of living for me. Tonight it's not about me. Tonight's not about establish her. Tonight's not about my miscarriage. Tonight's not about my baby that's not here. Tonight is not about me. I do not have the privilege of living for me. I have the privilege of living for the one that died for me and rose again. And if you have any knowledge of the Lord, you know that death and life go together in the kingdom of God. They're right there. And usually, death precedes the life. Usually there is a crucifixion before there's a resurrection, right? And in the middle of this death, so to speak, um, he spoke a lot of life and continues to and did it in a myriad of ways, a few of which I'm going to share with you, but one of the biggest ways he did was in certain songs that he supernaturally brought my way. 
I would be here all night if I told you how I even came about these songs. Random text messages of girls that don't even live here that I haven't even seen what's going on with text me lyrics. Verses, I mean, just old camp leaders that I knew that led camp stuff that happened to post a video that somehow I got wind of. Just weird, okay? And it was God, again, inviting me, Sarah. Get ready to praise me louder still for what you do not understand. John 13, 7 says, you do not understand what I am now doing, but later you will. Can I get an amen? That's a Bible verse. That is in the Bible. I mean, hello, if anybody has a life verse, that should be it. I do not understand what he is doing, but later I will. And that later may be in heaven. When my, I meet my little one, that later may be years down. That later could be tomorrow. I'm not banked on when that later is. But what I am banking on is the fact I don't have to understand it to get through it. And I don't have to have him in a box to figure out exactly what he's doing to just throw my hands up and surrender and praise and say, yeah, I trust you. I'm one of the crazies that actually believe you. I've given my whole life to believe you. This will not stop me. This will not shake me to the core. It's like what Paul said, right? I'm, I am crushed, totally. But I am not completely struck down, perplexed. Yeah, but not despairing. Those are two different things. And so just these truths and these verses kept coming to my mind over and over and over again. And I believe that a lot of women, and I've heard this question go around a lot about how do you know when God comforts you? How do you know his voice? How do you know his presence in those times when you just feel like you're going to explode? How do you do that, Sarah? And unless you've journeyed into those places, I can't totally give you a script to how that will happen for you. But I can share from the absolute rawness of myself how he has done it for me. And I believe there are similarities in how he speaks to his girls. And so whatever I share tonight, take it hopefully as truth and not just as my opinion. Um, there were devotionals that I read just in my daily walk with him that came back to me, not knowing what the purpose was when I read them. Have you all ever been there in that moment? Right, when you read something, you're like, man, that's so awesome, such a good word, but you had no idea the weight it would carry and the purpose it would hold until way later. And God was already giving you the equipment you needed, the armor you needed, so to speak, to come through, which you had no idea was around the corner. He is so good like that. It's one of the first things he told me when I was reading these devotionals. And actually, Allie, would you mind handing me that devotional book? It's in my... my um, purse. Kelly can bring it up here. It's Strength in the Desert. Um, and it's, my book is falling apart, so you can tell I've forged some life with this book, for sure. Um, this is like my original copy when I was like 16. Perfect. Thank you, Leslie. Um, so I just, I'm not going to read a lot of this. I'm just going to read the expert, ex, experts, whatever, excerpts, you know me in English language. And I'm um, just just let God could have used this in my life a week later. But again, I'm journeying with the Lord, right? I'm, I'm walking with him daily, as you should be. So this is not like, oh, I'm in a crisis moment, let me call on the Lord. That's not a relationship with him. 
And that is not where passion happens. Passion with Jesus and for Jesus comes with this daily, raw, beautiful fleshing out of life with him. Okay, so that's what I'm doing. And I read this. No matter what source of evil confronting you at the moment, if you are in God and thereby completely surrounded in him, you must realize that what has first passed through him is now coming to you. I'm just amen in that all the, all the time. I mean, this is weeks ago. Just praise the Lord, absolutely, Lord. And he says, and offer thanks for what he will bring out of it and through it. May God make your life one of continual thanksgiving and praise so that he will make everything a blessing. And then it quotes Charles Spurgeon, who's one of my favorite authors, and says, many people owe the grandeur of their lives to their tremendous difficulties. If you don't have a life of grandeur, you don't have a life of difficulty. And where there isn't one, there isn't the other. And I wrote next to that 12 days ago, Lord, take me deeper into a life of grandeur. Which was really me saying what? Increase the difficulty. I didn't know I was saying that at that moment. But that's in effect what I was saying. To know him deeper, to have a life of grandeur with him. Take me deeper. Countless things, countless devotionals. Um, one of these other quotes, it says, there are times when everything looks dark. So dark that you even have to wait for hope itself. Waiting with hope is difficult enough. But true patience and muscled faith is expressed when you have to even wait for hope. Just underline, highlight, yes, Lord. And then it says, and when you have an empty place in your heart and will not allow it to be filled with anything less than God's best, God's way, your faith has been matured. Highlight, underline, circle. Totally agree. Totally believe that, Lord. And he said, I'm going to sift through my fingers a hole for your heart and your womb. Sarah, that you did not know it was coming the day that you read this. And I am no less me. In fact, I am great, greater me to you. Tons of things I could fill you with. I could not bring all the devotionals he spoke to me. This is the only one that would fit in my purse, but so many of them. Um, and then, of course, through worship, which I'm going to play in a second, just throughout my talk. And I, I know if you're anywhere still on there after we dropped you, um, <laughs> technology is just whatever. It's a blessing and a curse. But we're going to be playing songs throughout this that God specifically gave me. And I will give the name of the song if you want to sign off, listen to it on your own, or sign back on. It's going to be awkward because you can just look at me, worship to it. It's fine. But Allie's going to play it here. So he spoke to me through devotionals. He spoke to me through worship. He obviously spoke to me through the remembrance of his word. If you're in his word, he will bring his word to your mind. If you're not in it, don't plan to recall it. And again, I've been in his word. I don't even know from times when I, I can't even really remember. Um, but a long time ago, 
He said to me, Sarah, I will become everything to you when I take everything from you. And it was a whole different set of circumstances, and it was how Establisher was born, ironically. And tonight, brokenness is still very real. Package is different. Principles the same. He is everything to me. And I know it more, and I know it best, when he takes whatever I have placed my everything in. And sometimes we don't know what we've placed our everything in. And so he's kind of got to do a little sifting action. And I'm humbled to say that even through this incredible loss, devastating, he adjusted my perspective pretty quickly to say, Sarah, in the midst of loss, there is victorious gain. Because if you know me well enough, and you do, little girl, in every subtraction, there is addition. That is my character. It's who I am. It's who I've always been. That whether the Lord give, whether the Lord take, right, what? My heart will choose to bless the name of the Lord. And the way that you do that, the way that that thing becomes a blessing is you begin to pray for perspective to say, God, show me gain here. Show me gain where there is a hole. Fill me where there is a vacancy. Show me addition where there seems to be screaming at me subtraction. Because that's who you are. Over and over again. Multiple times. Um, I want to play a song in a minute, but before I do, I have to tell you one of the truths. There's four truths, four huge nuggets, besides those three that I just said. The three being, he frames every beginning with his ending in mind. Do not question his sovereignty, but lean into it drastically. Do not have to understand him to praise him. Aside of that, he gave me four messages, four nuggets that have carried me through these last six days unlike anything else. And with them was a song attached that we're going to play. But before I play this song, I have to give you a little bit of the backstory to how I came about to this song. And it basically is the first nugget that my mentor said to me July 10th. Up in Roswell, we were having a couples retreat. Couples that had flown in. One of them, I think, is on there from Houston, Texas. And uh, we're just celebrating marriage. We're celebrating life. We're, you know, FaceTime with couples that couldn't make it. And the mentor couple just felt like, you know, God just has burdened me to say this. You know, we're just eyes open and pens to the paper taking notes. And Sharon says this. Scan back through your prayers and your worship and your journals because God may have already given you the tools and the equipment you need now back then. Had no clue what that meant at that moment. But I'm writing it down. I mean, I'm just totally like, yeah. He does not ever call you for what's ahead without equipping you with what's been behind. He does not ever call you for what's ahead without first equipping you with what's behind. And he had been girding me up, filling me with the word, filling me in my marriage. We knew we were pregnant at that time. This was the first group that we actually told. We actually had not even told my parents yet because they were out of town and my sister-in-law was out of town and blah. Everybody just left. And so I'm just like, I gotta tell somebody because I'm gonna explode. And this was the first group I told. And so we just celebrated and we praised the Lord and, you know, kind of was 
sharing my fear a little bit about it all and how am I going to do this and run a ministry and be a mom? How am I going to deliver a baby? I just, oh, I don't know. And I'm excited, but I, this is uncharted. Whoa, you know. And again, Sharon just, just Sarah, there's a song. He, he's given us a song. And I want to play this song right now. And it was over the marriage, and it was over our groups, but hey, whoa, it was over me that later came back to me again a myriad of ways that carried me through some of the physically, not spiritually the hardest. Let me make that difference. My spirit was whole, and it still is. Yes, I have cried. I am not superhuman. But it was some of the gravest, most physical pain I have ever felt. And to be honest with you, I'm still feeling some of that breakthrough contractional pain, weaning myself off of some painkillers here so that I could be coherent for you. <laughs> um, thank God for Motrin. With that said, um, I want to play this song. It's called In Over My Head. And I was beautifully and painfully in over my head. And this was the song that was put on my mentor's heart to play that weekend in the context of a marriage celebratory retreat that later God used to firm me up in my mind to carry me through something I never thought I could endure. In Over My Head by um, Bethel, but it's Melissa and, and I think a guy's named Daniel maybe. Skip that ad in about one second. Perfect. Love it. Just roll with it, you know? It's all good.
ever invited the Lord to do whatever he wanted to with your life, in your moments. That's what that line said that just struck me. Lord, do whatever you want to. Take my heart beyond the shore. Take me out of the box I have you in. Take me into the tremendous difficulty to give me a life of grandeur. Do what seems good to you. And someone who knows his character learns to pray that way. And in the midst of what did not seem or feel good to me, y'all, it was like there was an out-of-body disconnect from my spirit to my physical body. And it was just this unbelievable, calm, unshaken, do what seems good to you. I entrust my outcome, my healing, my body, the doctors, the future, the low heart rate at that point of little one. I just do what seems good to you. I have no guarantee of the outcome, but I have a guarantee that you will do what seems good to you. I've given you the invitation, so move. And he did, and it is good what he has done. Unexplainable, but good nonetheless. Um, the second building block, if you will, that he carried me through was, again, just something he'd already spoken to me and Josh, actually, in our marriage, in our time, um, just in some counseling that we've had together. It was like the Lord was saying, Sarah, I want to build capacity in you. And little did I know, I mean, literally at that moment, my 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 womb was growing in capacity at that young stage, nine weeks. And there was a little life, there was a heartbeat, there was a little person, a little thing in there. And I was growing in capacity to hold that little one. But that's not the capacity that God was talking about. That's what I thought. Oh, how cool. You're giving, I'm going to give birth in February, and you're building capacity. And he said, Yeah, I am. But I want to build capacity in your faith. And I want to try it. And I want it to come forth as gold. And so the capacity you think I'm going to build is not going to look the way you think. And it will bring you to a breaking point where you think you cannot make it. And just then, capacity. Capacity again. Just when I thought it couldn't get harder. Okay, wow, it's getting harder. Okay, capacity. You are building within me this resolve, this endurance. It's how, it's how you run. It's how you, it's how you run a marathon. You don't just start off from a marathon, right? You run 5Ks, 10Ks, whatever the next K is, 13K, to get to the marathon. You build capacity. How else do you build capacity than letting God test and try your faith? Your faith cannot be in this protective bubble. It does not grow there. It does not build capacity there. Faith is so dangerous and risky. It's too precious to protect. It's too precious to protect. And so he says, I want to build capacity. Get ready. 
Because you're going to think you're not going to make it. And you're going to make it. And not only are you going to make it, you're going to come through this world. And it's not just for me. This is for you too. I'm not, again, some superhuman, perfect Christian person. But let me tell you, without any shame, I have a radical dependence on Jesus Christ in a way that is a privilege for me. I would have it no other way. It is the Christian life to me. And I am so grateful that he took me there 14 years old and used pain then. He took me there 17 years old and used pain. He took me there again at 21. He took me there again at 22. He takes us to the depths to show us the heights. And I love my walk with the Lord. And it can grow and it has room. But it is not an, a shakable walk with the Lord. And I would want the same for you. I want you to build capacity. Let him build that for you. Um, the other interesting thing about this is that the irony, the fact that I was pregnant, for those of you that are pretty close to me, you know I was deeply fearful of pregnancy. Never been in my life that fearful. It was haunting me since last summer. I've always wanted to be a mom. Absolutely, from the pit of hell, a onslaught of assassination every, every night for me. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know if I want to do this, to be honest. I know children are a blessing. I know the quiver is supposed to be full of these little arrows. I get it, and I, I do believe that. But, Lord, I am struggling right now because I'm trying to figure out how it's all going to work. How is it going to fit? How am I going to do this? How am I going to parent? What kind of parent am I going to be? How am I going to run a ministry? I mean, natural birth? Not now. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm scared, and it's uncharted. This is like way before I was pregnant, okay? This is like a year ago. I could not get free of the fear of the how. How am I going to do this? And can I get pregnant? What if I can't get pregnant? What if it's not normal? What if it's chromosomally wrong? Just, I mean, you cannot imagine. Maybe some of you can. So God says, I'm going to build capacity. And one of the greatest ways I'm going to build capacity for your faith is to eradicate your fear. And the way I'm going to eradicate your fear is you're going to face it head on. With me, Emmanuel, but you're going to face it. You're going to have contractions, Sarah. You're going to give birth to something, and it will not be what you thought. And you're going to feel every ache and every pain without painkillers, and you're going to do it. So whatever you thought you couldn't do, guess what? One, you can't. Because 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 is true. That in your weakness, and I have never been more weak in my life, on multiple levels, his strength is what? It's made perfect. Y'all, it's not just barely good enough. His strength is perfect. His strength was perfect for me in the lobby of the Emory Hospital when everybody was gone, even the receptionist, because we were there after hours, of course, after I had just bled everything I thought I could bleed out. We raced in 5 o'clock traffic to get to the Emory Hospital after hours for an emergency surgery that we didn't later get into until four hours. And I ended up miscarrying my baby in that lobby. And God was with me unlike I have ever experienced, saying, Sarah, this is your greatest fear, at least in this season. Here it is on a silver platter. Whoa. And I'm building capacity in your faith right now. I'm with you here. He was taking my mind, setting it on things above. He gives us an imagination for a reason. 
he was, I mean, these lights were very similar to the bright lights that were on me in this freezing lobby as my husband is just out of just what in the world did I even do? And the Lord was just taking my spirit somewhere else than where my body was. It was like, I can't even explain it. It was supernatural. It wasn't natural. And I thought I had done the hard work before I got there. And it was tough. And the Lord goes, no, no, mm -mm. you're going to do even harder work here alone in this sterile, cold bathroom. This is where you and I, we're going to have a sanctuary temple moment right now in the Emory Lobby bathroom. And because I'm strange and I was looking up natural granola birthing websites, um, <laughs> they said smile when you go through a contraction. I am going to sit here in this lobby bathroom and I'm going to smile like a total idiot. <laughs> and nobody's in here, thank God it's after hours, because I'm not even closing the door. And I'm just going to smile. I'm going to use the muscles in my face because they're going to release everything else. And I'm going to do all this. And as I was doing that, the, the weeping of the pain started, of course, but the joy of the Lord was my strength, Nehemiah 8.10. It is unbelievable. His word is alive. It's living. And it was fueling me like, like I was running a marathon. And four hours later, I, I definitely probably would have been my time on a marathon. I, I had finished and couldn't walk, close to fainting, had the Ritters, which is a medical syndrome for shaking. I got out of the bathroom, and there was a nurse finally talking to my husband, and I broke in half. Are you here for me? And she said, yes, yes, and uh, finally took me back, waited two more hours, had an incredible staff. And all the while, just my mind was somewhere else. I was living in two worlds at once. It wasn't making life easier, but it was breathing meaning into the moment. I don't know how else to explain it. God does not protect us from the pain with an easy road. He most likely takes you down the, the less traveled road, the harder one, and accompanies you there. Though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will not fear. Not because it isn't hard, hello. Not because it doesn't hurt. I will not fear because why? You're with me. You're Emmanuel. You're in my DNA. And as my mentor said, if he's in your DNA, he is coursing through the vein blood in your body, of which I had lost a ton of. I was very well aware of that. And I'm sitting there looking, and I'm going, God, you are in my DNA. Peace of God, rise up. Just rise up in me right now. You are here. You're not just accompanying me. You're in me. So stand up. Do what you do. Come on. And y'all, it was, it gives me chills. It was a supernatural, just miraculous experience of him building capacity. He brought to my mind David, clear as day. And the promises he told to David to be a king, right? But before David was a king, he first killed a lion, killed a bear with his bare hands. Then he got to Goliath. Then he ran for his life in the caves of En Gedi and freaked out, wrote the Psalms, of which we've all probably wept. Then made some terrible decisions and became king. 
Okay, so it's a long time from when the promise was granted to when the promise was fulfilled. And again, the Lord said, Sarah, you and I have done lions. We've battled bears. We've seen some Goliaths. And this is another one. And as surely as I accompanied you with your lions and your bears, I'm going to accompany you here. And I don't know what your precursors are to your Goliath, but if you haven't had the precursor to to the Goliath, the Goliath story will not go well for you. And David went in with confidence to Goliath, not because Goliath wasn't scary, but because the promise of God was more real than the circumstance he was in. He had already seen God move. I've killed a lion with the power of God. I've killed a bear with my bare hands. I have seen God move, and I'm anointed to be king. This is not going to take me out. And I believe with all of my heart that I was going to live. I did not have permission from God to believe my baby would. He had already told me that. And I'll tell you that in a second. Though there was moments I thought I was going to die, being dramatic me, I I knew I was going to get through it, okay? But even deeper than that, I knew God had called me to be a mother. Whether it's spiritual or physical, he had put a maternal mantle on me, no matter what I might lose. And it just sits there, this is it. The promise of God is bigger than the Goliath of the moment. You've seen him in the lion, you've seen him in the bear, you've seen him in your love story, you've seen him in the starting of a ministry and you don't have a clue what you were doing, you've seen him in the car you drive, you've seen him in the house you live in. Every single area of my life, y'all, has been a God story, and I would have it no other way. Why would my children be any different? They wouldn't. And for them, this is what I would want, this very journey. And so I don't know what your lion and your bear or your Goliath are, but I so want that for you. June 12th through the 15th, I was in Puerto Rico, and this is where God gave me my third song. And little did I know... I was pregnant then, and I found myself on a bed in a hotel room that was actually flooding with water and full of mold. It was really awkward, but (laughs) in the moment before the guy came to change the hotel room, I was on this bed with three friends, two of which are dear, dear friends, and one of which I had just met, and she was battling infertility and weeping because she wasn't pregnant yet. And we just, I mean, it opened, and we began weeping, but weeping with purpose and speaking truth and praying. And God was just rising up in me. Authority and encouragement over her and scripture. I mean, I just was opening my Bible and just flooding to where later those two friends came to visit me this weekend as I was recovering. And they said, Sarah, that time on the bed before we played that song, it was as if you were glowing as you were speaking life into this world. And I was talking about miscarriage. And I was talking about infertility, and I was talking about when the course of life takes a turn you never would have chosen. Will you just dare yourself to praise him with the same measure? To the equal measure that the hurt is, louder still. Just praise him even louder. Just just try it. Don't question him louder. Praise him, and and it's the sacrifice of praise. It's not worship in church, okay? That's great, and it has a purpose. But we're talking about the reason why the scripture calls it, hello, the sacrifice of praise, okay? We were given up a sacrifice on that bed that day on behalf of this girl. 
The teacher always learns the most. I have learned that. And this song God gave us that day for her, but it was for me. That he later came back racing to the hospital, five o'clock traffic, that was a miracle in itself, just blaring on the radio. And I was like, Josh, this is, this is the song. This is what I was listening to. This is what I was believing for her on June 12th and June 15th. This is what I was praying for her. And God is saying, Sarah, I've already equipped you with this. Now to this equal measure of the pain you're dealing with, the uncertainty you're facing, I want you to praise me louder still right now. Trust me and me alone. Give it up to me. And so this song, Lauren Daigle, You Alone, just rushed over me. And um, we're going to play it. Hopefully. This is North Point Live, so yeah, we shouldn't have J.C. Penny. Yeah, we shouldn't have ads. Allie, you're doing awesome. Let this song just wash over you. It's so, so powerful. Pair it just because. Okay, okay, sure. No worry, we can always hear on the phone, it's fine. I just like music super loud. Sweet.
Psalm 62 says, My soul waits in silence for God only. My stronghold, I will not be greatly shaken. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Um, Tuesday, July 21st, I was sitting on my couch, and that's kind of when everything went, well, everything went downhill July 20th with the baby's heart rate. But July 21st, I had the house to myself, which was a super blessing. And Josh was at work, my parents went to lunch, and I could have easily just, turn the TV on and just kind of tuned out for a second, but I just sense the Lord saying, Sarah, I just want you to play worship music, 
and I'll, I'll give you the song. I just want you to just put on Pandora, put on the specific station, and just let these songs cover you. And I was sitting on my couch, and I was kind of holding my stomach, and, you know, pain hadn't really started yet, but I just knew something was wrong, and it just wasn't normal. Nothing about it was normal. And a song by Melissa came on called Explode My Soul. And there's a line in that song that says, you promise what you give, and you give what you promise. And that started me asking a question to the Lord that basically just was, Lord, what are you promising me? What do you want me to attach my belief to? What are you specifically promising to me concerning this circumstance I'm in? What are you giving and there it was again, take, and trying to see that perspective of, Lord, though I feel losses impending, though I feel abnormal, I feel wrong, I feel that something's happening, it's not right, God, what are you giving? And um, as clear as day, um, he said four things to my heart. He said, I will make all things beautiful with time. I am as good as you have always ever known. I will be your strength. Your security will rest in my character and not in these circumstances. Just like a list, just okay, okay. And I evaluated those statements and none of them had to do with my baby. And frankly, none of them had to do with promising me from pain that he was gonna protect me. They all had to do with his character, with his tried and true, time-tested, forged in the trenches of life character. And almost immediately the first shrill of pain happened. And I ran upstairs and I said, Lord, you will make all things beautiful with time. You are as good as I have ever known. You will be my strength. And my security will not rest in circumstances. And everything began to happen very insanely. And I was getting texts, just those that were close to us that knew, that were on their knees, people in Texas, people in California, people in Noonan. And one of those people um, was a prayer mentor that spent a lot of her life actually dedicating to praying over mine. And uh, if you don't have those people, I would encourage you to get them. But um, she's amazing. She's actually coming and driving an hour to be with Josh and I this, this Saturday to pray over us, but she sent me a text not really knowing what was going on exactly. She knew I was in pain, she knew something was wrong, but miscarriage was not yet a word being used publicly. I knew it in my heart. And she said, Sarah, God's given me a vision as I prayed for you today, and I feel led to share it with you. And as this is happening, her texts were coming in, and by this point, um, it was Wednesday, and I had come through a night of hell, and just on my own, just figuring out how to do it, and, and the Lord was just kind of bringing me to sheer exhaustion, and so we found ourselves at the hospital, and for whatever reason, my phone was blowing up, and I did not read her text that had happened the day before until about 8.30 that night at the hospital lobby, um, after I had just kind of been through the ringer, and I'm laying upside down on the bench of the lobby, like this, and I'm like, you know, I can't see. It's so bright. Josh is trying to do anything to get his mind off of it. My hands are sweating, like dripping. And I'm laying there, 
and I'm just, you know, rehearsing. I'm strengthening myself in the Lord, right? First Samuel 30, chapter 6, David strengthened himself in the Lord. And I'm just doing this thing. And I just had this funny feeling, check your phone. And so I checked my phone, and there was her text that I did not get the day before because I didn't need it yet. And I read her text, and it said, I had this vision, and I believe God, I want me to share with you. It's going to rain, and it's going to rain hard. And the rain is going to come down on you, and your face is going to shine underneath the rain. And the rain is going to wash you and cleanse you and heal you and sprout something. And the, the, the texts that were coming in were awesome, and they were part of my coping mechanism. And so I'm just like reading this, and I'm like, okay. And next thing I know, Josh, he was like, looks out, and he goes, oh man, because it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even live in Atlanta. Uh-huh. This was the day before. And I looked at him, and it was it just for that split second. You see me. I don't care that there's not a receptionist at the desk. I don't care that no one's come back here for four hours. You see me. You're speaking to me. You love me. Someone who doesn't even live in Atlanta. You are kind. You're good. And this rain is okay. And I did feel like I was glowing. Partly because these lights were great. I mean, the can, very similar to this, the can lights in the hospital were like ridiculous. And I, I didn't have the energy to even open my mouth. It hurt to use my stomach to talk. But I just looked back at Josh and I pointed to the phone. And I pointed to the light. And then I pointed outside. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, And it just got me through those little moments, right? We, we, we can choose to say, Lord, there you are, versus where are you? That was a there you are God moment, not a where are you God moment. Flip it upside down. Um, so coming to the end here, the last two songs he spoke over me, um, song. We're going to try to do this, and you can do this where you are if you want to. But to those that can and have healthy knees and aren't decrepit, get on your knees for this last song at the end. But this one real quick, it's a little shorter. And God gave it to my husband. And he tried to share it with me in the lobby, in the, the heat of the, it was the climax of the pain. And I was just like, No. I just, I can't, I don't even know what the song is, but I'm like, I've got my regimen, I'm moving my knees, I'm curling my toes, I'm doing, just doing my thing, just let me do my thing. And there was a reason why God did not want me to hear that song yet. And um, I heard that song later on the way home. And um, it's called Even When It Hurts. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a line in there that says, Louder still will I praise you and sing your praise like dare me okay even when it hurts louder still and um and god began to speak to me this time in romans 9 chapter 8 that talked about a strange verse and, and 
it doesn't mean much to you probably, but to me, I'll never read it the same again. Romans 9, 8, it says, it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but it is the children of the promise that are regarded as descendants. And I knew then this, this baby was not mine to have on this earth. And, and God spoke to me, Sarah, this, this was a promise child. This was something different. And of course, I looked up the word promise, as you know, and this was a little later, is when Josh and I were recovering at a hotel this weekend, but all of it came, came to, connected to this song. Promise means this, in the Strong's Concordance. A divine announcement or message of assured good. A seed. Future blessings. Favor. A divine announcement or message of assured good. And as clear as day, the Lord said, Sarah, this child is a promise to you. It is a message from me to you, and I believe from me through you to other people. That I am good, that I am kind, that I make everything beautiful in its time, that you can praise me in the midst of and on the other side of messages galore, y'all, just filling my mind. And I'm just sitting there going, Lord, you named this little one promise. It was promise all along. And I had one of the hardest pains, actually, at the hotel, where Josh kind of whisked me away to early, early Saturday morning, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the and I woke up, and Josh was standing there by my bed, and he was crying, and I was crying, and probably cutting off his circulation, just holding his hand, and he just turned on the music and let the music speak. And it was these, these two songs. And as clear as day as these songs spell a promise, it wasn't a mistake. This child was a message from me to you out of my love, my plan B. There's no plan B with God, y'all realize that, right? This was planning from the very beginning. Always was, always has been. And this comfort just began to wash over me. And he said very clearly, this was not a miscarry. This, this was a his carry. Oh, wow. I heard it as if someone in the room said it. This is not yours to carry. This was mine. It's not a miscarry. It's a his carry. And then this song came on. And so we're going to play this one um, called Even When It Hurts by Hillsong. And just let this wash over you. And then I have a couple verses, three verses in particular that I want to read. And then we're just going to end with Prince of Peace. Um, very, very special, special song to me. Um, and then we'll just pray and just let, just let the Spirit pray in and through us as he will. Not super long, but... Just want to let him move as he, as he wants to. So, even when it hurts, Allie.
this thing and skip it in three seconds. Laughter is a medicine, I tell you. It's not the song, but he is awesome. We do love him. Yeah, just click out of that and see if you can just. Oh, Lecrae. Okay. Yeah, that was weird. I had all these queued up. It's really weird.
lifted up, do not fear. Behold, the Lord God will come with his might, with his ruling arm. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock, and in his arms he will gather the little lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. He has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. He has calculated the dust of the earth by every measure and weighed the mountains in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord and who has counseled him? Listen to me. Peoples gain new strength. Isaiah 41, that was Isaiah 40. Verse 10, do not fear for I am with you. Verse 10 and 41, do not be anxiously looking about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I have chosen you, not rejected you. In the last section of scripture, we've all know this one, but this has been a very love-hate passage for me throughout my life because in many ways, this is probably one of my life verses, and it's a very odd one. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Starting in verse 7, it says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, and let me tell you, I know how earthen my vessel is. I know that I am but dust. But I know the treasure that's in me. This treasure that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God, not of me or you. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Here's the kicker, these last three verses. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in my body. For he, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Verse 12. So death works in us, but life in you. And that has been a banner over my life, that God has used my deaths, if you will, my trenches, my tears, my journey with him, somehow, by the grace of him, to bring life to other people. And it is such a privilege. It's tough. And it's, you know, I, I wish it was my perfection that led people to the Lord. But it isn't. That's never the story. It wasn't even the own son's story. His perfection didn't gain the ears of people. It was his humanity. It was the cross. It was his death. That silenced everything immediately. So it's in pain, it's in death that actually life works. Death in me, that life might work in you. And I hope that every single person in here will leverage their death. Emotional death, relational death, physical death, whatever. It can, be, it can be insignificant to significant. All on the spectrum, it's death. And suffering is suffering to the Lord. But I, I so long to see women, like that song says, that only sing the praises of God and that leverage their death, whatever it may be, 
for the life of other people. And you do that by just telling your story. You don't do that if your mouth shut. And I could not do that if I was laying up in bed. And I knew, Lord, let's put another notch on the belt. This is it. This is another trench with some more tears you bottled on 56.8 with another story that you and I have in our arsenal. Yeah, it's a story of death, but it's a story of life. Life for me, not, not life in me, but life for me. And I totally believe life for you. And would challenge you that he doesn't waste anything. So why do you? If he wastes nothing, then everything is leverageable. Our mouths should be open all the time. Singing his praises, telling his story inside the framework of ours, good or not. Let's hear the good ones, absolutely. I've got plenty of those too. It's not sackcloth and mourning all the time. But pain is a part of life, okay? That's legit. John 16.33, you will have tribulation in this world. But be of good cheer. Smile. I've overcome the world. I haven't just overcome your pain, Sarah. I've overcome the world. I've overcome death. I rendered it powerless. So its sting may feel like an IV going to your arm. Hurts like Hades for a second. And it's over. The death of sting, the sting of death has no more grip. Um, so this this last song is I may not make it through this one without crying. This 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 is really close to me. Um, and I'd never heard it before and again God used my husband just by the side of my bed and the first time I heard it was in those wee hours and it was like oh my goodness I'm in the throne room of the Lord and, um, and so I just want to play this over us and However you want to worship, if you just want to close your eyes, if you want to get on your knees, I would if I could. Um, let this song just fall over you. I know we're going a little bit longer than time, but it's a couple minutes, and, and then we'll fade it out here at the end, and we'll just have a, a short time of prayer. Um, and then there's just one more thing I want to do before all of us leave. So, Allie, let's see if we <laughs> should get this one without some um,
us to read and to learn how to live, Lord, the way you long for us to live, that we would have that relationship with you that is far more precious than anything in this world. Lord, I pray for protection for our hearts. Lord, you know, as women, we can be so tender-hearted, Lord, and so easily drawn um, to other things that seem safe, which are not. Um, Lord, I just pray for the hearts in this room and for the lives that we touch, Lord, that we would be mindful that this life is not just for us, Lord, that it's for you and for your glory. And, and that looks different for each of us, Lord. I pray that we would learn to rest in that, that we would not compare, and that we would not dwell on the difference in our experience, Lord, um, but that we would know that we are part of a body that you have created. Each of us has a different role and a different story, God, but you need them all together, and it's beautiful. Lord, so I just pray that we to rest in you and who you are, mm-hmm. and Lord, that we would find who we are mm-hmm. in you, and we just thank you for that opportunity. Lord, I pray for boldness. Lord, I pray for that these truths get so imprinted on our heart, Lord, that we would walk boldly in this, Lord, that we would share to every um, see in the trials and the tribulations, Lord, that we would stand bold and speak truth, Lord, that you're there that you have, you do know the beginning, you do know the end, Lord, that we would be bold as women and not share, just share this in fellowship, and we know that it's good, Lord, but Lord, that we would share that with other women, Lord, that may not know you, other family members, Lord, that may not, that know you, and Lord, I just pray for boldness through all these trials and tribulations, not just keep this in the community, Lord, but let this be an outpour, so that everyone can truly see who you are, that you are so good, Lord, that you are the perfect Father, Lord, that you want just the best for us, mm-hmm. Lord, and I just pray for obedience, Lord, as you, as we see Sarah, Lord, who just follows you so faithfully, Lord, I pray for obedient hearts, Lord, that in the trials and tribulations where we want to close up our ears and, and listen to the world, Lord, that we would just be obedient to you, surrender mm-hmm. to you, Lord, and what you have to say. Lord, we praise you so much in this time. And Lord, in, in every time of tri- tribulations, and in goodness, Lord, there's always a reason to praise you. We love you. Lord God, I pray for the women who aren't here tonight who push you away and have hurt on their heart. Lord God, God, my heart breaks for them. Please just give us the words or the actions or just just make us aware of how we can deliver what we've heard tonight to those women who are in the darkness. Yes. And Lord God, who just, they need you, but they don't remember you. God, please just be there with them and show us how to be bold, to be brave, to be confident, and just to lead out you.
just their hearts and their minds, Lord, I pray that Satan would not have an ounce um, of leeway in there, and I just pray just a protection over the two of them um, in these coming weeks. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for both of them, uh, just for their lives, and that we don't understand it, but we will continue to praise you for it. And I just pray that that would be each of our, um, just our posture as we leave this room tonight and go throughout the rest of the week, Lord, that no matter what we understand, what we don't understand, we don't have to have it all figured out, Lord, but that we would continue to praise you. We ask for all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I know we've gone over time, but some of y'all have kids, and you can totally go and have your homework. But I don't know if you said that you slamy. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's a great song. There is, I mean, yes. Like, y'all can go if you want to, but this song, I mean, literally, I had it on my computer, and it was one that I was like, okay, am I going to play it? Am I going to play it? I'm going to play it. Okay. <laughs> so if you need to go, that's fine. But I know you slay me, and this is incredibly powerful because John Piper actually has a message hidden inside this song about pain, that, and I came across this from my dear friend in Texas. So, yeah, this can be our anthem and our send-out, but that's, I'm so glad I said that. <laughs>
not only is all your affliction momentary, not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car careens at the sidewalk and takes her out, don't say, it's meaningless. It's done. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart. And day by day, focus on Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach His Word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and careful.